Matthew says, I tell you the truth. Jesus is speaking here. He says, if you have the faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there. And it will be moved. Nothing will be what? Impossible for you. Mustard seed faith moves mountains. I want you to think about that. That is a life-changing statement. And Jesus makes it, he, he is challenging his disciples, and I believe he's challenging you and me with that statement. I believe too many Christians kind of live this in reverse. We basically buy into the idea, if I have faith like a mountain, I can move a mustard seed. But that's not what he says. And I want to ask you this morning, what kind of faith do you have? Not your neighbor, not the person sitting next to you. What kind of faith do you have? I want you to think about that. And then ask yourself, do the mountains move my faith or does your faith move mountains? We're in this series, Miracles, and I have said my hope and prayer as we were putting this together as I've been looking at the miracles of Jesus is that not only will we have a better understanding of miracles, but that it will expand our faith. It will expand our faith in in God, that we will begin to believe God for things that other people say is impossible. And, And this is a question of faith. I mean, what is faith? The Apostle Paul, I think, gives us a great definition in Hebrews. He writes, Now faith is being sure of what is hoped for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is sure. Faith is certain. Why is it many times, and I know in my life, and I'm sure in yours, that we are unsure, that we are uncertain? I think it's something we all struggle with. you struggle with that? I mean, I do. Today, we're, we're going to look at a miracle that I think can give us hope. We're going to examine a guy that I believe every one of us can identify with, with this guy. This guy had faith issues. He had sort of faith. He kind of believed, but not really. He had partial faith, not full faith. And I think because this guy struggles, when I, when I read this story, I'm able to kind of connect with him. I, I find I can relate with him. And I believe maybe you can too today. A little context uh, on the story. We have a father that his son is possessed by an evil spirit. And that's a whole nother sermon someday. But the, the disciples try and cure this boy. And they can't. So the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day see this happen. And they kind of see it as an opportunity to attack the disciples. And they are arguing with the disciples when Jesus walks up. And that's where we're picking the story up. It says, Jesus says, what are you arguing with them about? Man in the crowd answered, teacher, 
I brought you my son, who's possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I ask your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. How many parents we have here? Parents, can, can you imagine this? Think about it. Can you imagine watching your child go through this? I, I have always thought that when, when you go through something in your own life, it, it hurts sometimes. You know, there's a lot of pain. But it's even worse, I think, when you watch someone you love go through something. I think it hurts in a different way. I think sometimes it's more intense because you want to help, but sometimes you just can't. And so there's just a lot of pain with this. This father, I believe, was hurting when he came to the disciples. I am sure that he had talked with God on numerous occasions. In fact, I bet that he tried to bargain with God. And said, you know, God, whatever it takes, just, just make my son better. And so he's watching his son struggle. He is doing everything he can think of to, to help his son. I believe he's way past frustrated at this point. Nothing's worked. He's been to the doctors. He's seen the specialists. And he probably heard about the disciples, that they had been performing miracles, that people had been healed And my guess is, upon hearing it, he thought, maybe they could heal my son. So he brings his son to the disciples. He's hoping that his son will be whole. But it didn't work. Nothing's working. Jesus hears the father kind of state his case. He's talking to the crowd right now, because they've all been arguing about you know, miracles and why the disciples couldn't, couldn't accomplish that. And he goes, oh, unbelieving generation. Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Now he's talking to the father, bring, bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, talk about the, the spirit that's inside him, that's taking control of him. Immediately, it threw the boy into convulsions. He fell to the ground and rolled, foaming at the mouth. I want you to think about if you were in the crowd. This captivates you, doesn't it? It's, it's one of those things where you don't really want to watch, but everything in you is kind of drawn to it. It's an awkward situation. And I believe as the crowd was fixating on this situation, that they realized this father's pain, the agony, the despair of the situation. And so it's really, it's an awkward moment. It's an awkward moment. Jesus asked the boy's father, he says, how long has he been like this? From childhood. It has often thrown him into the fire and water to kill him. But if you can do anything, if you can do anything, have pity on us and help him. This father has watched his son. 
He's watched him since childhood, since birth. He's been protecting him, worrying about him, looking for an opportunity to, to free him. And he's felt helpless to this point. He's standing before Jesus, the creator of the world, and he says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us, please. If you can do anything, and if is the big word here. If you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Situation is big. It's where some of you are today, isn't it? If you can, God. Some of you are there today. God, if. You have tried everything. You're, you're running out of options. You know, the, the experts have said, your, your friends have said, your family have said. They, they've been real clear. You know what? There's no hope here. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work out. But you, here, God, if you can, you might be able to but I'm not sure if for some of you, it's a different if you know, God can, but you're wondering if he will, I know he can, but why hasn't he? If, if you could do anything, God sort of kind of, Maybe, I think you're able. I've seen you do it for others, but I don't know if you'll do it for me. If you can, anybody there today? If you can. This father approaches and he says, if you can do anything, help us. I think Jesus was hurt in that moment. With the if statement. Because you can, you can kind of read it in the, in the story. as He goes, if you can help me. And Jesus says, if you can. If you can. Jesus answers him, if you can. If you can. If you can, seriously. All things can be done for the one who believes. I mean, what, what's possible here? What is possible? What's it say? All things. All things are possible. What's that include? Everything. You got a major deal in your life. Marriage is in trouble. You know, let, let me ask you, do, do you believe that it is possible that your marriage could be healed? That God could make it better than it ever was before. There's no doubt about it. You know, you're in a situation and you're watching your kid just mess up. And it's breaking your heart. Could, Could God bring good out of that? Could God... Bring them to their senses. Absolutely. Situation looks hopeless. Backs against the wall. Everybody said it's over. It's done. No way out. 
But let me ask you, could God change it? You bet he could. So this dad, this dad, he, he's struggling. He's struggling with his faith. He, he wants to believe. He wants to believe the one thing that matters most to him, that is on his mind on a daily basis as he's watched his son struggle. He wants him healed. He wants him freed. God, heal him. One thing he wanted. What's your one thing today? What what is that one thing that is on your heart? What's that one thing that you want God to change? What's that one thing that's breaking your heart? What is that one thing? I mean, I, I don't know what it is. But it's that one thing, isn't it? And it's here all the time. It's that one thing that you go to God and you say, God, if it is possible, just, just move in this, this one area. Heal that relationship. You know, God, give me an opportunity. Change the situation. Soften their heart. You know, help us put it together. Just this one thing, God, if you can, please do. Jesus says all things are possible. All things are possible. Story continues, says immediately the father of the child cried out. I believe what? Help my unbelief. Strange statement, isn't it? I believe, help my unbelief. I, I, I sort of believe. I, I want to believe wholeheartedly. Sometimes I do. And sometimes it works out. I believed last week. But God, I don't have much faith right now. I want to believe. But I'm not sure I can believe. Do you, do you feel this? Do you, do you feel the passion of this father, do you do you feel the struggle? I believe. Help my unbelief. Do, do you sense that that fight between mind and heart? You ever been there? This father says he cried out. The Greek it's kradzo. It means to croak like a raven. Ah ah. Crow, whatever. That's what it means. Squawk. Shriek. Get everybody's attention. He didn't care what people thought. He's going to take a risk. He will be heard one way or another. There's no rehearsing. It's not pretty. It is pure. It is honest. He says, I believe. I have doubts. I I want to believe. I just don't know if I can. How many of you can identify with this father? Struggling with his faith, the, the tension between what he believes is possible and what he actually believes. Battle of heart and mind. And I've thought about this battle. I think we all face it. And 
And there's several obstacles, I, I believe, get in our way. The things that, that we deal with that keep us from having the kind of faith that, that God, God is pointing us toward. First obstacle. It is a sign-demanding faith. Some of you have done this. I have in my life. And it goes something like this. You know, God, I got this situation. And if you could help me get out of this, because I'm in a jam right now. And just so I know that I'm going to get through this, if you could just give me a sign, then, then I'll know. It'll be okay. You ever done that? How many of you have done that? Come on. Let's be honest. Here's the problem with that. When you're looking for a sign, it's not the real thing. You know, for instance, you're traveling. And you're looking for a hotel. Off on the side of the highway, you see a sign. Courtyard. 20 miles. Now, friends, you still can't go to sleep because it's not the real thing, right? It's just a sign. you got 20 more miles to go before you get there. Too many people think if they see the sign, then they'll be able to sleep. Then they'll be okay. And fact is, it's simply pointing you to the real thing. In this case, it would simply be pointing you to the real thing, and that's Jesus Christ. If you help me, How many of you have ever prayed, you know, if you help me pass this test, I will serve you forever. Become a missionary. And you get a C. And you still go your own way, right? I mean, it's just how it is. If you help me get this job, then I'll be faithful. And you get the job, and you're not. I, I figured this out in my life early on. I, I wish I didn't have to tell you this, but growing up and through the years, I have made more deals with God, more than I would like to admit. And I was thinking about some of the bizarre things that where I have just asked God for, for things. And I remember I was probably 13, maybe 14 years old. And I went to the Daniel Amos concert. All right. I know, weird name for a group, but it was a band, a Christian band. Uh, it was kind of a blend of the Beatles and the Cars. All right. Those were rock groups back in my day. Um, but I was at this concert and it was, it was pretty packed. And the music, God was really drawing me in, and I could feel God, and I wanted to get closer to God. And there came a point where the, the band was throwing Bibles out into the crowd. And I remember being at that concert, and God was moving, and I'm thinking, okay, God, if you're real, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure you are, and you've been good to me through my life, and I'm, I'm going to serve you. But, but if you're really, really real, 
let me get a Bible or something. And, and I'll step up my faith. I mean, we'll go big time. So that's the deal, God. Now, I prepared myself for God to move. That's what teenagers do, you know. And what I did, I quickly assessed the crowd around me. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm taller than her. (laughs) I'm thinking, he looks like a lightweight. I can hip check him, knock him out of the way. All right, so it wasn't very Christian, but anyway. And I remember thinking, God, if you just get it close to me, I'm going to help you out here. It's all I'm asking. Just get it close. And friends, I was so focused on the lead singer because he, he started throwing the Bibles out. I didn't notice that the guitar players joined him and they're, they're tossing Bibles out. And this is no joke. I get hit right in the side of the head <laughs> with the Bible. Boom. It kind of, I say daze me, it really surprised me. It surprised me. And by the time I kind of got my bearings, before I realized that it's down, it's right at my feet. And this like seven, eight-year-old kid snags the Bible up. And I'm like, seriously. My mom picked me up after the concert. And uh, when I got in the car, she goes, what's in your hair? Now, now I had a big mane of hair. I know, you find that hard to believe. Be nice. But anyway, I had a big mane of hair. And I'm sitting in the car, and so I'm digging through my hair, and it's a guitar pick. They'd been throwing them out during the concert. And this is no joke. I turned, turned to look at it, and it says, Jesus is the real thing. Coke is, you know. Now, I'm thinking I got hit in the head with a Bible. I got a sign. Well, it was a guitar pick. And the reality is it, it changed nothing. Made for a great story. I never knew I'd get to use it, but here we are. You know. I think that's the problem with signs. They're not really the real deal, and they don't motivate us to move forward with our faith. I think another obstacle that we have is... Some have a second-hand faith. Now, how many of you grew up and you had a strong Christian around you somewhere in your, in your life? You know, maybe it was a grandma or a grandpa or maybe a close friend. And because of them, you went to church once in a while, maybe Christmas, Easter, what, what have you. Maybe, maybe even got confirmed in the church or went to Bible school every year. And because they were giving away prizes, if you brought friends, you even invited friends to come and be a part of Bible school. Memorize some verses, because you got a star for it. And the fact is, you've spent most of your life close to things of God. But your faith? Not really your own. The fact is, some of you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. Mom and dad, strong Christians. Grandparents really love God. You got friends that are really close to God, but not you. 
There is no such thing as secondhand faith. No such thing as secondhand faith. It doesn't work. It won't make anything happen. You won't find salvation that way. Jesus was walking and talking with the disciples one day. And he asked them an offhanded question. And he says, hey, who do people say I am? I imagine they walked for a while in silence. Finally, one of them's like, well, um, some people say you're John the Baptist. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and some say you're Elijah, the, the prophet. And, and finally, Jesus just turns to Peter, zeroes in on him. He says, Peter, who do you say I am? Friends, that is the question. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say? I didn't ask you what your mom and dad think. I didn't ask you what grandma or grandpa think or what your friends think. Who do you say he is? What do you believe when it it comes to that? I think secondhand faith gets in our way. I also think self-centered faith gets in the way. I mean, this is how this one plays out. And this one's common. I, I, I see it often. And it goes something like this. You've got a situation. You need God's hand in it. And you go, you know what, God? Here's what I need. Here's what I need you to do for me. Now, now listen up, okay? Because what, what I need, I, I need this is what I, I need. This is what I want to happen. All right? I, I need you to do it this way at this time. And after you accomplish this, then we'll be tight. We'll be good, okay? And when it doesn't happen, we're kind of like, where are you at, God? You didn't do what I asked you to do. Forget you. I am done. I, I, I did all this stuff. I went to small group. I read my Bible every day while I was waiting to get that promotion. I I, I was extra, extra good during this time. And all I asked for was that promotion. The only thing that I've ever asked for. And I didn't get it. So I'll tell you what. I'm done with you. I'm done with the church. That'll teach you that I mean business. I mean, maybe the situation was different. Maybe the issues are different. But friends, they got the same foundation. At, At the core, we make demands. We expect God to respond. And when God doesn't, we dismiss God and say, forget you. See, we forget who is God. Self-centered faith, it'll mess you up. So, so how do we develop our faith so we can get past those obstacles? I want to give you two things, and I'm really going to let Scripture speak to us. But the first is things that, that we've got to do. If we're going to build our faith, one, one of them is we have to immerse ourselves in God's Word. We've got to immerse ourselves in God's Word. 
Paul writes, he says, so faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the word of Christ. By hearing God's word, by hearing God's word, reading God's word, you notice I didn't say by by the latest self-help book or the latest trend or even by uh, the fact that I share stories about my kids or grandkids. That is is not going to help you grow in your faith. It is by hearing the word of God. That's where you find power. It's in God's word. That's where you find strength. If you want to get in shape physically, if I wanted to get in shape, you start eating right, maybe hit the gym, working out. Well, you want to get in shape spiritually in your life. If you want your faith to find shape, you got to start by feeding your mind. you got to feed your mind. you got to renew your mind, as Scripture talks about, so that it becomes part of your life. You know, just like we go to the gym to, to work out and increase our muscles or, you know, get our, get our heart in better shape. As you listen to God's word, your faith grows. It's what we do here, Sunday mornings. It's an opportunity to, to grow to, through worship and through hearing God, God's word. You need to make it part of your routine, part of your daily routine. When I think about my, my personal life and the times when my faith's been strong and those times when it's weak, those times when it's strong, I realized I spend a lot of time in God's word. But if I let that slip a little bit, hit and miss a little bit, what I find is I start doubting. I find my faith takes a hit because of that. And I know as I'm I'm talking, for some of you, you're going, yeah, but I've I've tried to read the Bible. I I don't even know where to start with that. And I don't understand and blah, 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 blah. Well, a couple things, just going to say it. Quit making excuses. Just start. You need to be doing it. You need to be doing it. You know, so, so you don't understand everything. You know what I say to that? Who cares? Big deal. You understand most of it. You don't understand everything about eating right. True? How many of you try and eat right? Do you understand everything, really? I mean, do you understand every little detail of, you know, the metabolism of your body? Uh, do you understand all the vitamins and the types of vitamins that are out there and carbs and fats and cholesterol? You don't know all that stuff. But it doesn't make it any less good for you. You don't have to understand everything in the Bible. You don't. God will use... That God will use the Holy Spirit to nourish your soul, to mature you as you spend time. You know, spend 10 minutes a day in God's Word. You know, read, read through the Bible. I, I've read through the Bible every year since I was in eighth grade. 34 years. And you may find this surprising. There are things in the Bible I do not understand. But... Maybe I will next year or the year after that. The fact is, as you read through God's word, 
as you spend time around God's word, it is feeding you. You will grow in your faith. That's just the way it is. You know, make sure you're here for worship. This is a place where we grow. Be here on a regular basis. Let me define that. Three or four times a a, a month you should be here. In fact, it should be the rare occasion that you're not here. Get in a small group. There are all kinds of small groups in the church. I know there's a group of guys that get together at diner and at the little house, and they just talk about what we talked about this morning. And here's what I know. They grow. They grow. Get a devotional and read. Do something. Do something. Because when you do that, you're feeding yourself, you're renewing your mind, you're strengthening your faith. It helps you identify the garbage in this world, and there's a lot of it. And it helps you identify the truths of God. Not only do we need to immerse ourselves in God's word, but here's the second part of it. We've got to act on God's word. We've got to act on God's word. We don't just believe in it. We believe it. And there is a difference there. Scripture says that even the demons believe God, believe that there is a God. They believe Scripture. But friends... We don't just believe in Scripture. We believe Scripture. We believe Scripture in such a way that we allow it to change our lives. We live our lives in such a way that really we're willing to stake our lives on it. We believe in God's Word and we act on it. James, he writes, So then, as the body without the Spirit is dead, also faith without actions is what? dead see i believe it's real easy to know a lot of spiritual words churchy words i believe it's really easy to quote scripture and throw it in someone's face i believe that it's real easy to know all kinds of spiritual things but friends if you do not act on it in your life If you do not make it the center of your life, dead, dead. In other words, you can can come to church. If it doesn't impact your life through the week, watch out. In fact, I'll tell you, you can come to church every week, never miss a Sunday. And you can be dead. Dead. God's word should change us should move us. We should live different because of it. I remember when I was first in ministry, I started preaching when I was 16. Every Sunday, I'd, be, I'd fill in for pastors. And um, my home church at the time, I would preach there three or four times a year. And uh, so I remember we had a family in our church and at the time they had been trying to conceive and they they couldn't and they caught me after service one day and they're telling me their story they told me that they had tried everything imaginable that they've been trying to have a child for six or seven years i don't i don't remember it's a long time and they told me that the doctors had told them it was physically impossible that it wasn't going to happen that they both had issues there was nothing to be done And they kept sharing their story, a lot of tears through it. 
And there came a point when they had finished telling their story, the husband turned to me. And he said, Damon, I want you to pray that we have a baby. And friends, in that moment, I hesitated. And he saw it. And he, 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 I remember him looking at me after all those years of trying, after the, the doctor said it was impossible, and as loving as he possibly could, I remember him looking at me and saying, Damon, you either believe that God can do this, or man, you're just, you're just playing church. And friends, this young pastor was rocked, seriously rocked. I mean, that, that moment, it was like my heart just got pierced. And I remember taking their hands and, and praying, and it was new territory for me. But it changed me. And any time I've ever shared the story, and I'm going to save myself a lot of emails and all that, because people go, did they have the baby? Did they have a baby? Yes, they had a baby about a year later. And that little gal, every time I'd preach, she would make so much noise. <laughs> and, I, and I just, I had to smile because it was like, okay, God, I know, I know. You're in charge. That baby was really the second miracle with that couple. Because the first miracle was when the three of us joined hands and prayed. Because in that moment, in that moment, we believed that God could and God would. And something happened to my faith that day that marked me and changed me. And please hear me. My faith is not in the outcome of whether they had a baby or not. That's not where faith is. My faith, our our faith in that moment was in the heart and character and nature of God. You know, my faith was not based on outcome, but it's based on God. It's based on who God is. Real faith doesn't hinge on what's going to happen. It depends on the heart the character and the nature of God, that's faith, that's faith. Some of you are in a situation right now and you need a miracle. This father needed a miracle. He cries out, I believe, but help my unbelief. So here's what happened. Scripture, Matthew goes on and tells a story. He says, when Jesus saw that a crowd came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you spirit that keep this boy from speaking and hearing, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. Can you picture the moment? The crowd's all gathered in. Everybody's watching. After crying out, there's that word again. Ah, ah. 
after crying out, now it's the spirit that's possessed this boy's crying out. And convulsing him terribly, it came out and the boy was like a corpse so that most of them said, he is dead. Think about it now. After all these years, after trying everything that this father's tried, after caring for his son, after the tears, after the pain, after the hoping against hope, finally, finally, the spirit is cast out of him. And now people are going, he's dead. He's dead. But Jesus took his hand, took him by the hand and lifted him up and he was able to stand. God is God. It's a miracle. You need a miracle? Friends, God does not move in my time. God does not move my way or your way. God doesn't operate by your standards or my standards. But friends, I will declare until my last dying breath, I will declare the goodness of God, the greatness of God. My faith is never based on outcome as much as it's based on the character of who God is and the heart of God. One of my, my favorite stories, it's a story of faith and, and hope, but it, it is uh, three teenagers in the Old Testament. I, I believe they modeled the, this whole idea of faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they said, we love and serve the one true God. King Nebuchadnezzar said, I am so sick of you boys talking about your God. You guys bow down and you worship this God. And he was talking about himself. Or I will kill you and I will throw you into the fire. And those boys made, I believe, in my opinion, it is the greatest statement of faith, definitely in the Old Testament. And they looked the king in the eyes and they said, you know what, you go ahead and throw us in the fire. But we will not worship your God and our God will deliver us. That's faith, isn't it? Putting their life on the line. But these boys take it a step higher. They said, and even if he doesn't, we will not worship your God and we will still believe. Our God can and our God will. But even if he doesn't, we will still believe. They did and God did deliver them. It's an amazing miracle. Amazing miracle. Faith. Faith leaves the outcome to God. Because we know that God is good. We know God wants the best for us. And we know that God is God. And we're not. What do you need to believe God for today? Let's bow in a word of prayer. God, I know 
there are people here today, many hearts that they want to believe. But they're struggling. There's doubt. And God, I pray that their hearts would just zero in on that you are God. You are capable. You are able. And that if you answer, praises will be sung. And we will shout it. But if you don't answer, we will shout all the same. God, I pray that whatever that one thing is that's on our heart, that we would just give it to you. That we would believe that you want the very best. That we would trust you. God, we give you the praise. We give you the glory. This day and every day. Amen.